the youth have been doing a great pray. God, thank you so much uh, that we get the opportunity to open your word this morning, that we get to open it and read it. I pray that you convict us um, of your word and that you challenge us by it. Help us to have soft hearts, to hear your word preached and to think about how we can live it out in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, it's a fairly strange story today. Um, I have lots of questions about what's happening, and I'm sure you do. Two, it's questions about Jesus, about Mark, the writer of the gospel, and about Peter. So far this year, in 2019 at St. Tom's, we've been reading through the gospel of Mark. And this situation has come up many times before. Uh, Jesus is walking around, he's sitting down, he's having dinner, and he sees someone in need of healing. A leper, a disfigured person, someone with a demon, and we've even seen other blind people encounter Jesus. And so you think, yep, Jesus sees this man, man, and he'll do what he's done the last eight chapters, he's going to heal him. But first, Jesus takes a man out of the village. Your ears prick up. This is very different from previous. Then Jesus spits on the man's eyes and rubs them in. All right, Jesus, very gross. Um, Jesus has done something like this before. In the previous chapter, he spat on a man's tongue to heal him of his deafness and muteness. But that, believe it or not, is not the crazy part of this story. After all of that, you expect this man to be healed. But then, for some reason, Jesus checks in with the man. After he he does all of this, he says, "Uh, did that work? Do, Do you see clearly yet? And even more remarkably, it hasn't. It hasn't worked. Did Jesus fail? Is Jesus running out of energy? Maybe he's done all of these healings and there's no more juice left in the tank. The man says, I see people and they look like trees walking around. Jesus' miracle didn't fail. The man can see. How awesome is that? The issue is he just doesn't have 20-20 vision. He can see a whole lot more than before, but he doesn't see clearly. Just when we, being readers of Mark's gospel, thought we were beginning to understand who this Jesus is, what his power is, we begin to question his power. We begin to question who he is and question what we thought we already knew. Jesus again puts his hands on the man's eyes, and this time he is fully healed. His eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. This passage still leaves me with questions. Then I remembered John preached a sermon a couple months ago. He preached two sermons, one titled Parables of the Word and one titled Parables of Deed. The parables of the word were parables like the sower, the mustard seed, the lampstand. The parables of deed were healings and actions that Jesus had done. The author in, this, in that time, the author of Mark, had paired these parables of deed with these teachings of Jesus to show how his deeds actually elaborated and emphasized his teaching. And I think Mark is doing that again. He's using this idea of seeing and thinking you are seeing but not seeing clearly. What could that mean? Well, I'm sure we've all experienced, or maybe experienced through friends, the time that someone has realized they needed glasses. Um, Maybe you're at the footy, and there's scoreboards across the other side, and you're squinting to try to read it, and someone says, what is the score? 
And the person on the other side of you says, ah, it's this, looking directly across the oval. You look at them in disbelief and you say, what? You can read that. I can't even read that. And I don't need, oh, maybe I do need glasses. Or you might be a class sitting at the back or even at the front and the teacher's writing notes on the board and you realize, I can't read that. But for some reason, everyone around me is able to read it. You probably have lots of different times the realization when you thought the mo you had the average amount of sight. Everyone can see as much as I can, but then there's the realization everyone can see so much more and you're the one missing out. You thought you could see clearly, but actually all you can see is trees walking around. And I think this is the analogy Mark's trying to make. Mark is asking the question, do the people who follow Jesus see what Jesus and his work are really about. Jesus asked the questions to the followers, who do you, or who do people, say I am? And the people are starting to put some puzzle pieces together. You might have been doing that too over the last eight chapters. The first puzzle piece, Jesus is a teacher. People have seen Jesus do lots of teaching, but not just regular teaching. Jesus' teaching is teaching that has never seen, been seen before. Teaching about loving our neighbor, but actually, not only our neighbor, loving our enemies. The second puzzle piece is that Jesus does miracles. Jesus seeing, or people are seeing that Jesus is performing lots of miracles, like the miracles that were done in the Old Testament by the prophets. He's been present multiple times now when this has happened. Hundreds of years before, the same miracles were occurring. The bread miracles to people who are hungry in the wilderness, like with Moses and the Israelites when they're in exile. Um, or the miracle where there was a rough storm suddenly become calm, like with Jonah. So the people are seeing this teaching and these miracles, kind of like the Old Testament, and they're putting these puzzle pieces together saying, some say you're John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. One school holiday break, I decided to make a puzzle. This puzzle was a huge puzzle, and it's a map of Southern Africa. And what's the key when you're making a puzzle? Using the box, so you know what the final product's gonna look like. So you know where, where you're going, what the aim is. I was part way through my puzzle, focusing on the edge, like all good puzzle makers, and I realized the nightmare of any puzzle maker. The box did not match the picture. I didn't know what to do. Should I keep going? Should I put it together? I considered giving up. How was I to know when I was finished? How do I know when I was on the right track if I couldn't compare it to the box? And that's kind of what these followers of Jesus are doing too. They don't have a box to compare their puzzle pieces to. They've put two pieces together and stood back and thought, hmm, I think I'm finished. I'm pretty sure I've seen the whole picture. But they haven't, not yet. They're missing some pieces. Third puzzle piece, authority. Jesus is seen to have authority. Peter has seen Jesus forgive sins. Jesus, unlike in the Old Testament, um, the prophets performed these miracles, through, uh, Jesus performed these miracles through his own power. Jesus calmed the storm, not by getting thrown overboard like with Jonah, but by speaking authority over creation. Jesus seeing people hungry in the wilderness gave them bread. Jesus has authority. Peter has seen this, and he thinks he's seen clearly. 
He knows there's something more to Jesus. What about you, Jesus asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah. What is the Messiah? It's a word that gets thrown around a lot. Well, it means anointed one. In Greek, it's also Christ. You've probably heard that before. The Messiah is the man the Jews were expecting. There are a number of passages in the Old Testament that talk about this man that God will send. This man is going to be a deliverer. Isaiah 42, the servant says, um, this says, the servant is going to bring justice. The servant is going to redeem Israel, conquer enemies. In Isaiah 61, this man is going to release prisoners, bring freedom, and even make the blind see. You can start to see the picture of this Messiah that's going to come. A king, a warrior, a fighter. This is an amazing insight Peter is making. He is ready to fight behind this Messiah to redeem Israel. He thinks he's seen the whole picture that he sees clearly. He's standing back thinking, I've seen it. I've seen it all. But he hasn't. Peter too is missing this fourth puzzle piece. And Jesus knows this. He tells Peter sternly not to tell others because he doesn't want all of, um, everyone missing the fourth puzzle piece to start an uprising. And so he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Peter's saying, no, that's not what the Messiah is. He's supposed to be fighting. The fourth puzzle piece is that Jesus came as the Messiah who would die as a suffering servant. Peter has missed that the Messiah came as a sacrifice for many. In Isaiah 53, you've probably heard at least verse 6, he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and was held in low self-esteem, so low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed by our iniquities. For the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. And we all say together, we all like sheep have gone astray, each of us to turn his, our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Ba, ba, do, ba, ba, Isaiah 53, 6. God sees us with our hopelessness. He's seen our... He sees us experiencing pain, suffering, death. He knows we experience guilt, loss, and grief. Jesus came to remove our guilt, to remove our shame. The only way to do this is for him to suffer in our place. This is the puzzle piece that Peter was missing. A couple of years ago, Hannah and I went to Africa now, if you've ever been on holiday with Hannah, or at least seen her Facebook pictures, um, she plans awesome holidays. Um, when we went to Africa, we went first to South Africa to see my family, and that meant that I had to plan that part. So I focused on it. All I wanted to do was try to at least live up to Hannah's amazing standard. Anyway, so Hannah planned for us to go to Victoria Falls, which isn't in South Africa, just so you know. Victoria Falls is in, in between Zimbabwe, Zambia, and Botswana. Um, we went there with my auntie, who lives in South Africa. It's a pretty deserty area, lots of sand, pretty dry. 
all of it was pretty interesting to me because although Hannah had shown me lots of pictures, um, I knew I was going there. To be honest, I didn't really take note of a lot of the pictures she was showing me because I was so focused on my part, I just, that's the bit that I wanted to be really good. The day arrived when us three were going to go look at the falls and we were walking, and as we were walking, the bushes started changing. After walking in pretty arid terrain, suddenly it felt like a rainforest. I started looking to my auntie and thinking, wow, these falls must be pretty big. And we walk and we walk, and I'm getting pretty sweaty now, and it's getting really humid, and we see the falls. This is the picture of what we saw. They were amazing, they were awesome. And we saw them in the distance on this angle. It was an amazing view. Um, and then my auntie and I turned around to start walking back to our hotel. And then there's Hannah looking gobsmacked. She said, haven't either of you looked up Victoria Falls? The thing is massive. There's so much more to look at, and this is just the start. You haven't even looked at it properly yet. To make things worse, I had seen the falls before. Just that morning, Hannah and I went on a helicopter ride over the falls. I had seen firsthand how big the falls were. And just at that moment, on foot, despite what I'd seen, I'd refused to see clearly. My auntie and I, we were content with what we saw, and we were happy to assume that was the full picture. But actually, we hadn't even seen it clearly yet. Look at what we were missing out on. Why did we refuse to see? What parts of the gospel do we close our eyes to? Refusing to see clearly. Now, there are a couple of different people in this story, and try to figure out which one is you. Firstly, there's my auntie. She hasn't seen the falls before, she's never been, she doesn't know what they're like, and she's discovering them for the first time. That's like someone today who's find, trying to figure out who this Jesus man is. They're slowly putting all their ideas, all of these different puzzle pieces together. They know he's a good teacher, that's what everyone says, teaching something never before seen. But is that the whole picture? Are you seeing clearly? Is there something more to Jesus? What about his miracles? What kinds of things stop people from seeing Jesus clearly today? Maybe you experience pain and suffering. How could a loving God do this? Maybe you think following Jesus isn't logical and that it's intellectual suicide. Maybe you think all Christians are hypocrites. Maybe you think following Christianity is nothing special. All religions preach love. Maybe you're afraid of what your friends and family might think. If this is you, look deeper. I challenge you. Don't accept what the world says around you. Ask questions. Speak to me or other people at church. Secondly, second character, there's me. Yes, I didn't do great. I'd seen, I'd been told, I'd even got in a helicopter over it. Don't know how much more obvious it could have been. And I still refused to see clearly. I should have known, but it's like I didn't want to even see the full picture myself. This could be someone who is a Christian, but they don't see, and maybe don't even want to see the full picture of who Jesus is. I've heard this described before as putting Jesus in a box. If you put Jesus in a box, you might do that because you only want to see the part of Jesus that's really, that you're really close to, or maybe that's really helpful for you. You might put Jesus in a box of the night before a test and I'm nervous. 
So you go and you get the box, bring it out, pray a bit, feel comfortable, put the box away again until your next test. You might put Jesus in the box of Sunday or youth group and I'll act how Jesus taught, but afterwards I'll put it away and not really act like that again. Or maybe when you feel hopeless and you are experiencing so much suffering, you might pray and ask God for help, but when you're doing well, put that box away and not pay attention to who he is, thinking you can handle life by yourself. Now, each of these boxes are not wrong. We should rely on God in each of these situations. What is wrong is only seeing Jesus in that aspect. Jesus and his salvation is so much bigger than these boxes. We should not just be seeing a part of Jesus, but seeing the whole picture. And lastly, there is Hannah. She's seeing the whole picture and knows how beautiful it is. She has seen and experienced the redeeming grace of Jesus and knows that she is a teacher. Sorry, and knows that he is a teacher. Hannah has seen and experienced the redeeming grace of Jesus, knowing he's a teacher, knowing that he has power and authority, but came humbly to sacrifice himself for her. And she's telling and urging others to come and see it too. You can be this person, encouraging others to come and see the full picture of Jesus and his amazing grace. Let me pray. God, thank you that you sent your son as the Messiah. The Messiah who would willingly sacrifice himself for us to show us an amazing love to take away the sin of this world. Challenge us to look deeper, ask more questions, speak to others. Challenge us to figure out the whole picture of the gospel and challenge us to find friends and family that we can tell this to. In your name we pray. Amen.